Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Around the 412, part of DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Tyler, and with me, as always, is Smitty. What's going on, man? I don't know if you could tell, my voice is kind of shot from last night. Uh, it, it was a pretty I, I, wild I think, night. Uh, I can tell. I'm assuming the listeners slash viewers of the show are going to be able to tell yeah. as well. But uh, historic night for you. I mean, <laughs> last week we were uh, wearing BYU shirts, uh, and people, we saw the comments, bring that up. Well, we got to bring it up again just briefly here. It's not going to be a big <laughs> part of the show, but you were at the game last night, BYU-Utah, and they did their first win against Utah since 2009. Yeah, it's been a long 12 years. They've played nine times over that stretch, but – uh, it's finally see this good, good to see that streak end. But a little information for everybody: I moved to Utah. I, I don't know if yeah. people saw that mm-hmm. on Twitter, but yeah, that's why we're not in person anymore, uh, as we were last week. I moved to Utah, so just to get that out of the way, that's why we are no longer in studio. But yeah, yeah it, it's not going to affect the show at all. We're still going to have a great show, and we've got a lot of sports to talk about. We do. I do have to give a couple of shout outs. One. From now on, I said that I was going to take recommendations on what to wear because we got so many comments about like BYU <laughs> stuff, right? So I someone said either Kevin Green or TJ Watt jersey. I do not have a Kevin Green jersey. So TJ Watt jersey. Decided to wear that. Shout out to Michael McCracken. That was his recommendation. Somebody in the YouTube, whatever you tell me to wear, I'm going to wear it. on the next, Assuming that I have that article of clothing, I will wear it. Um and also, shout out to Steve Banco on Twitter because I tweeted just Steelers. And he said, is this what I can look forward to on the podcast? And I told him, absolutely, just for this, you're getting a shout out on the next show. So shout out to Steve Banco for that as well. But yeah, we got a lot of sports to talk about. Let's dive into it. Starting with the pens, we'll talk about, I mean, where the heck did this come from? Sidney Crosby, wrist surgery, out six weeks. It's obviously going to mean that he's going to miss the start of the season. Like, yep. what, what's happening here? What's going on? Honestly, I have no clue. This seems like an injury to me too. That it, why didn't this happen sooner? And could, because they said that this is something that had been lingering and that he had been dealing with. So why mm-hmm. wait until at this point? If you're going to get it this off season, why not just do it like Gino did with his knee and just get it done right after the season? I don't know if the, there might have been reasons as to why they couldn't have, but I'm just not sure what those reasons would have been. It just seems like an re- injury that you yeah. should have just gotten take of care of right away. Cause now he's going to miss and it's saying at least six weeks, which would miss all of training camp, which I guess for Sid, we're not that worried about, but nah. uh, 
that that includes starting the season most likely because the season starts October 14th, I believe. We play Tampa Bay Lightning on ESPN. So, on ESPN, that is a weird thing to hear. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he's going to miss the start of the season. And now, yeah. what we talked about last week with Brian Boyle being brought in on a on a trial contract that actually becomes more important than we actually thought it was going to be because right now Jeff Carter is your number one center. Yeah. We brought up Boyle because of Gino missing the beginning of the season. Like that's a path for Boyle on this PTO. As long as he's not completely washed, he has anything left in the tank. Like Gino not being here for the start of the season kind of gives that path to Boyle making the opening night roster. Now with sit out too. I'm not sure who their four centers are going to be, but like you said, that means Jeff Carter won C. I think the thing with Sid, and I, I just want to touch on what you brought up at first, because I don't want like fans to get the wrong impression, because I do see like a portion of the fan base like upset with Sid about waiting this long. And you mentioned the fact that it's like a lingering thing, more so than just this year. Like he's been dealing mm-hmm. with this for a while. So it was just like treatment, 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 trying to avoid surgery. It eventually got to the point where that couldn't be the, the case anymore. Uh, and now, you know, we have this procedure done. It does, the timing of it does suck. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not going to sit here and be upset with Sid for waiting to this point in the offseason to get it done uh, because Lord knows that he was doing everything possible to avoid having to take any time off because that's just the type of person and player that Sidney Crosby is. What I do find scary about this for the rest of the league He's been dealing with this for a while, right? This this now going to be surgically repaired wrist. Uh, how good is Sidney Crosby going to be when he comes back full strength after this wrist surgery? That's a good point. We we don't know <laughs> if he if he's been injured the past like couple seasons, then he might take the NHL in storm when he mm-hmm. goes back. But just to go back to like what the center depth for this team is going to look like to start the season. I mean, you, you got Jeff Carter as your number one center, and thank goodness. I know you and I were both like kind of questioning why did they protect this guy in the expansion yeah. draft. Hey, and, and now <laughs> it's it's paying off in big ways. I mean, he has to be your number one center. I would just think that that means Teddy Bluger is going to be your number two, and then probably projecting Evan Rodriguez to slot in at number three and Brian Boyle at number four, assuming that he works out on his tryout contract. Which I mean, that, that's that's going to be an issue to start the season. I'm hoping that it's a speedy recovery for both Sid and Gino because with how tough the Metropolitan Division is going to be, you can't really have them out too long because the whole season is going to be a fight for a playoff race. Yeah. Wait, why? What happened with Jerry McCann? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. Uh, no, hey, it's, what's done is done. You can't do anything about it. But, yeah, I mean, a player like that would be nice to have right now with what's going on with the center depth. But – that's neither here nor there. Anything else that you want to touch on with the pens? Um, there, like I said, there wasn't really too much to talk about other than just Sid having to go through with this injury. I, I did see that, like, like I mentioned with the fan base, man. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, as far as the fan base re- overreacting about the timing of this, I, I think that they need to settle down. I feel like Sid is probably the reason he probably hasn't got this done is because it's something that he was able to do with or deal with, and I think that. It's something that he probably did seek out physician help with and look at and see whether or not like, hey, can I play through this? Is this going to be something that I need to get taken care of right now? Like he's probably thinking in the now, much like the Penguins are thinking in the now if like we have to win now. And Sid is definitely that mentality. I mean, he was playing with a what was that a sports hernia for a little while yeah. before mm-hmm. before getting a he was out for six weeks when he got the surgery for that but he played like six weeks with it um i almost feel like those were intertwined like happened at the same time they, they could have been 
They could have been. And I understand that like the, he's he's the type of guy that wants to win no matter what. And I, I think that he didn't want to have to put his team in a position that they would be without him. And so I fully understand what, where Sid's mindset is. I'm not upset with him. Um, it's, it's just really unfortunate timing. That's that's yeah. literally all of it. And that it, opening it, night in Tampa, man. It just, yeah. yeah. The chances just got a little bit bleaker. But yeah, it kind of puts the Penguins behind the eight ball right now because, <laughs> like I said, looking at the Metropolitan Division for how good Carolina's been, how good the Rangers are getting. I mean, I, I think that they're probably one of the more underrated teams going into the next few seasons. You still got the Capitals. Um, and, and I mean, people are still picking Philadelphia next year. I'm not sure why. I, they, they did the same hard, thing. Man. Dude, they just did the same thing last year, though. A lot of people were picking them to win that division, and look how that ended up. They missed the playoffs. Right. So I just don't really see it with with that. But either way, the division is really going to be very competitive, and they're going to need both these guys back. Mm-hmm. They're going to need both those guys back because the division is going to be very competitive, about as competitive as we also think the AFC North is going to be, and that's where we're going to go to next. The Steelers get a big win in Buffalo. We're going to talk about that game, TJ Watt's contract extension, and a whole lot more when we come back on this episode of Round 412 on the Pittsburgh Sports Podcast. Welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Smitty. That is Tyler. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about the Steelers, man. This is I think everybody in the city is just at an all-time high right now over the last few days. We get TJ Watt's contract extension done, something that was just looming over the fan base's heads, over the Steelers' heads, over TJ's head. Uh, we didn't want to go into the season knowing that this wasn't done yet and have to push it off until next year. I just I didn't want that to happen. We don't have to worry about that now. Four years, 112 million, 80 million fully guaranteed, 30 guaranteed at signing. Or I'm sorry, he got 30 million at signing. Uh, I mean, this is just an all-around win for me. Kept it under 30 million dollars a year. He got what he wanted. The organization got what they wanted. And we can talk more about this game, but it's not like the guy didn't show up and have a great performance today as well. He looked every bit of the player that we know that TJ Watt can be against a very good Buffalo team. Yeah, he fulfilled the contract that he was getting. And it's so relieving as a Steelers fan to know that that contract was in place because we we were getting into crunch time. Um, we, we were waiting all offseason for this and – they, they really went to the, the final hour to get this contract in, but it, it is a good deal. I mean, I, I think that anything under 30, I think you and I were probably projecting that he's probably going to get 30. So getting the, the 28.003 million, that 003 yeah. is a little awkward. I think mm-hmm. you, you said, let me hold that 0.003. <laughs> Might as well. I'll just take that off. Yeah, but uh, it, it, I think that's a good number for the Steelers moving forward. Four years, which means he's going to be at a good age to get another contract when this, whenever this one is up. And I, I think he's well worth it. Like you said, you didn't want to go into the season with this looming over it because it's kind of like no matter what they did in the season, you always be thinking about like, okay, we still have to get that TJ contract done. He would have been playing on the franchise tag for $10 million, um, which I mean, that's, that's not really what you wanted to do. Uh, we've, we've seen enough franchise tag issues with the Steelers the past few years. And I'm not that TJ would be an issue with that. I just think 
this is we've talked about it before. You got to take care of your guys, and this is this is the guy, not even just one of your guys. So I'm I'm really happy that the Steelers were able to get this done. I think that's the thing too is like everybody talks about like I I know that this year wasn't on a tag it was the fifth year option but like looking yeah, beyond yeah. this year people were like let him play out the fifth year and then tag him two times he got him for the next three years and then you know at that point decide or whatever like I understand that like business wise there's certainly the case to be made for that but again that we've talked about that on here like what kind of message does that send to the locker room if you're not paying a guy like TJ Watt? Like, he did everything that you asked for. First-round pick, by the way, 29 teams passed on the guy. Uh, so take him at 30 overall. What he's developed into, like a cornerstone piece for this franchise, I understand, you know, people make the debate about, you know, what a generational player is, so I'm not even going to touch that word for him, whatever. That's a debate for a different day, and I'm not going to have that on here. Um, but he's literally done everything that you could ask for from him developed into the player that nobody said that he would be. The only reason he was a first round pick was because his last name, like you have to reward that as a franchise. And I'm, and I'm glad that they did. I'm glad that this is over with. I'm glad that we could move on, get to game week first Buffalo. And we haven't even talked about that yet, but like I said, this city's going to be riding all time high heading into next week's home opener against uh, the Raiders because the Steelers did the unthinkable. The national media was giving them no chance. Third biggest underdog betting wise of this Sunday game, the Sunday games, the slate uh, going into Buffalo, a team that everybody expects to be, you know, in the AFC championship pretty much. This was maybe the year that they knock off Kansas city even and make a Super Bowl appearance. They go into Buffalo and they get a win. Now it didn't start out great. The offense 54 yards or something like that. It was 50 and change at halftime pretty much did nothing, but the defense gave them a chance to find their footing a little bit. I don't even want to say that the second half was great offensively. They were still given seven points by the special teams blocking a punt for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't a great day for the offense by any means, but the defense is really the story here to talk about. I mean, we could break this down from the defensive line to the way that the linebackers played sideline to sideline, obviously missing Devin Bush last year. I thought he was pretty noticeable. Uh, Joe Schobert, I think, is going to take some time, honestly. like I, I don't think that he was bad today by any means, but really didn't make a bunch of impact plays. Really, one of the guys that I really want to highlight here is Cam Sutton. Uh, he was just all over the place, pass breakups, obviously that fourth down stop. Um, I, bet, I thought like him, Cam Hayward, Melvin Ingram, to me, those were like the three best – I mean, everybody on defense was great. I hate to single anybody out, but to me, those were like the three stars of the game if, if this were hockey. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think the defense is the story here, and – Honestly, going into this game, whenever I was making my season predictions um, for the Steelers and their their schedule, I had Hell. them losing this game. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Let's be let's be, let's be honest about it. We both yeah. did. I mean, both it's not even did. like we yeah. thought the Steelers were going to be bad. And we even said, listen, take it with a grain of salt. If they go up to Buffalo and play competitively but lose that football game, let's not press the panic button yet. That Buffalo team is very good. But we both said – yeah, I'm not so sure that Steelers are actually going to go into Buffalo and win this game. So, you know, throw us in there with the national media if you want to. But I wasn't completely writing them off. No, I, I, I wasn't either. I thought they, they, if their defense was able to step up, they would have a chance. Really, it, it was a question of what the offense is going to look like going into the game. And honestly, in the first half, I was very underwhelmed and very disappointed because I was actually terrified. I'll use the word terrified because I was <laughs> yeah. getting flashbacks of 2019. Whatever the offense with the worst just, offensive line, exactly. Yeah. The offense was just not able to move the ball at all. There was no production, and the defense had to win them games, which in the first half was looking like they were going to do because the defense was doing great. Offense was absolutely terrible. The sure. offensive line was giving them no time, they had no protection. Um, and, and 
it, it was just there was just no flow. There was uh, there was uh, n- no flow to the offense whatsoever. They just they couldn't put it together, which just give me flashbacks of Duck Hodges at quarterback. Um, but they were able to figure out in that second half, and like you said, they're not perfect. They weren't perfect, but they were able to do enough to be able to get the lead and to be able to hold on to that lead thanks to the defense and special teams. I also think that, and listen, I'm not taking away from the Steelers defense here. They definitely exceeded my expectations for week one um, because I thought, you know, so many moving pieces, especially in that secondary, like it's going to take time for these guys to gel. Alex Highsmith, Melvin Ingram, they were both great today as well. Um, no to it. I mean, that the fact that they generated as much, much pass rush as they did today without Stephon to it, I think is a great sign moving forward because they're going to have to do it for at least two more weeks before they get to it back anyway. So I thought that that was great. Drew a lot of holding penalties, which I thought was warranted. I don't think they were like, oh, BS, you know, holding calls. I think those were warranted and they prevented a lot of sacks from happening. So they always didn't have a huge ta- uh, sack total today because of those penalties. But yeah, I thought that they exceeded expectations. But the one thing that I said the whole time, again, I, I was getting off track there a little bit, but I didn't want to take away from the Steelers defense here with saying this. But I also, this is why I wanted to play the Bills early. If with them being on the schedule was because I knew Josh Allen was not going to be in midseason form. And I know the Steelers made life tough for him, but I still think that even with that, Josh Allen did not have his best day. And it wasn't just because of what the Steelers defense did to him. He just didn't have a good day. And, and that's going to happen. And it's early in the season. There's not a ton of moving pieces with him. I know Emmanuel Sanders is new to that offense. Zach Moss, for some reason, was a healthy scratch. I don't know if we're going to get more on that going forward, but uh. um yeah, they, the Bills' offense was just abysmal today, and and I, the Steelers' defense does deserve credit for that happening. But also, I think that it's in part due to it being Week One and them not gelling. Yeah, it'd be one thing if he completed thirty passes and he threw like thirty-five, but he threw the ball fifty-one times, and th- th- that that wasn't just the Steelers' defense doing that. I mean, he was just missing some balls. Uh, now he was still great with his legs; he always is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's, I think that's one thing that the Steelers – and it's probably good that they played Josh Allen not just for uh, to, to get his rustiness out of the way early, but to get used to a quarterback that can move because they're going to play a few of them this year. You've got Russell yeah. Wilson on the schedule. You have to play Lamar Jackson twice. So just to – and uh, Patrick Mahomes, he just scored a rushing touchdown a little bit ago. Uh, it, it, you're going to play multiple guys that can do that. So I think that's good for the Steelers to get that out of the way and be able to – get used to quarterbacks that can move but yeah. I, I think I think one thing for me the offensive line uh in this game they need to work on well not just pass block but running the ball there's really like no holes for Najee to go anywhere mm-hmm. I think he finished with like 45 yards or so but everything just collapsed down on him so quickly they just didn't have enough separation between them to open up any holes I think that that and that is what is going to help drive the offense is getting that run game going. But without Najee being able to fit into any of the holes, you can't expect him to produce anything. I mean, I, I kind of relate it to uh, Saquon Barkley in New York. Like he's a great running back on his own, but without an offensive line in front of you to open up those holes, you, you can't rely on the running back's talent by itself to be able to produce for that offense. It's just not going to work. And the offensive line still, like I know we, we said they performed – better in the second half i still don't think yeah. they're that good I, I i i don't think they they are and I, I saw that kendrick green got taken out for jc hassenauer towards the end of the first half i believe yeah we're early third either way either way kendrick green did come back in so i don't know if it's yeah. injury related or what was going on there 
Um, but yeah, that ha- that definitely had me worried. Like if we see Hassenauer as the starting center at any point this year, I think that they're in really <laughs> bad shape. Yeah, agreed. Like I would rather deal with the um, rookie issues, yeah, the growing pains of Kendrick Green than happen than at the starting center because we talked about him last year and he was abysmal. Yeah. But I yeah, I just I think there's a lot of growing pains on this offensive line. They t- they touched on it during the broadcast, I believe, about how different the offensive line is from that wild card game to the the game yeah. today, and they they're replacing. Uh, Actually, there was no no. There was one. Everybody was had shoes. Yeah, yeah. So who is probably? I mean, you can make the argument as their worst offensive lineman right now. Like that's the thing is they have the turnover, but it's not like they're going from good to bad. Like they're going from bad to a question mark. So that's like I'll take the growing pains, and I think that everybody needs to understand that this is going to happen. But here's the thing that's so encouraging about it is even though we're going to see growing pains, we even saw growth just from the first half to the second half. Like they, they got better in this game against a good Buffalo team. Um, now, I'm not saying that they're going to light the world on fire, but I think by the time that we get to, you know, week six and beyond after these guys have reps together, and that's, again, the biggest thing. It's, it's not just being unproven game-wise. These guys haven't practiced a ton together either. Mm-hmm. So I think as we continue to see this offensive line play together, we'll see what happens when Zach Banner comes back. Is it going to be Dan Moore at Chooks that's out? Is it Zach Banner that's out? I mean, who knows what's going to, how the situation's going to unfold because the tackle situation in itself has just been the biggest question mark to me uh, of the whole offseason. So, and it's going to continue to be a question as season it, progresses. If you're, if you're going based off today, I think Chooks is the one that would have to come out. Watching him today, he, he was terrible. He, yeah. he, I feel like he was getting beat every single time. Dan Moore, I think, just, did okay, especially for a rookie yeah. making his first start. Um, but Chooks, like you, you've been there, done that, especially at right tackle. You played there all of last year, but he was just getting manhandled. Back, yeah. I feel like, I feel like all day he was getting manhandled. Yeah, I cannot disagree with you there. But yeah, I think that I just, I think that there's hope just because you look at the offensive line, and again, there's, there's going to be growing pains, but just within a one game span from the first half to second half, you can definitely see that the offensive line played better. Um, so I, I just think it's a matter of, of gelling and, and working together. I have all the faith in the world in Adrian Clem. Um, and again, like I, I don't even think that the interior is really the question for me. It's more so going to be those tackle spots. I'm with you, though. I, I guess you didn't officially say it, but I think that you were kind of with your statements alluding to. I, I'm with you in that for me, it's probably Dan Moore and Banner as my tackles when yeah. everybody's healthy. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was saying like Juke, Chooks would come out for Banner, and I would play Dan Moore and roll with roll with that going forward because I just unless Chooks changes in the next two weeks while Banner is out, today was not a good sign. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I wanted to talk about so we saw a switch in offensive coordinator this offseason. This is the first game under Matt Canada as this full fledged offensive coordinator for the Steelers. So what did you think of the play calling? I'll say the same thing, like just about the offense in general, the offensive line. There's going to be growing pains there. I will say, like, regardless of what the result ends up being, like, even if the offense still isn't good under him, it, it looks nothing like what Randy Feekner's offense did, in my opinion, at least pre snap. Now, what happens after that, it's kind of like in Ben's hands, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the the process, if you will, is not the same as it was under Randy Feekner. Like, I, what was it, like the first five plays? I feel like we saw Juju run across the formation pre-snap. Yeah, I mean, like, like it, it it looks different. I don't know if the results are going to be any better, but it definitely looks different. Now, you know, we're sitting here just talking about a one-game sample size. I didn't obviously like what I saw from the offense as a whole. 
But again, just to see it get better from the first half to the second half, I think that you have to take that and you got out of there with a W as well and just feel good about it. I mean, you, you feel like you have two more favorable matchups now going against the Raiders and Cincinnati, who got a huge win against Minnesota, granted, today as well. And I, I feel like they're going to be a better team than we've seen the last couple of seasons. Um, but but those are more favorable matchups for the Steelers. Let's see this offense continue to build something now as, as we face these opponents and not a very tough Buffalo team in Buffalo. Let's get back home and see what these guys can do and hopefully build some chemistry, not just the offensive line, but everybody in general, Matt Canada, like you just mentioned, I mean, he's a rookie offensive coordinator. Um, I, I still don't feel like we've seen the entirety of, of what we're going to see under him though. It seems like they're kind of like unmasking this offense little by little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that he deserves some credit for those first half adjustments to the second half. I think that yeah. the, the surge for the offense, at least in that third quarter was in part due to him. And uh, I think like, you're right. He he's going to have growing pains just like the offense is. But I think the thing that I'm most comfortable with compared to Randy Feekner was like the unpredictability of the play calling, I guess I should say is because mm-hmm. Randy Fickner, it's like every Steeler fan knew exactly what was going to happen in the certain situations like we knew what play was going to be called at least with Matt Canada we're starting to see some different plays we don't we don't have that predictability uh, especially with that pre-step motion we, I mean we don't know what's going to be happening there um but yeah I think it is uh good for the Steelers to get a little bit of easier games coming up and I, I at home next week against the Raiders I'm excited to watch it I, I'm, you're going to be there so I'm sure you're, you're really excited about that, but I, I think that yeah. that's a good opportunity for the offense to really start gelling together, especially that offensive line, because Raiders front seven is, isn't is nearly what Buffalo's is, and so I, I think that's going to be a lot easier for them to deal with, and even if it's an easier opponent, just playing together, and get you start to get that confidence if you're playing well together, and that's the key thing, I think, for this offense right now, is like they, they need that confidence, specifically on, specifically on the line, but the entirety as a whole, I mean... I think that that goes through the receivers as well. I think part of it was last year with all the drops is like maybe Deontay's confidence or Ebron's confidence was hit as well. I just think when you play together and play well, even if it's against a bad team, that just makes everything better for your team moving forward. Like specifically with with fans being back, like taking that into consideration, I don't know that we could have thrown these guys into the fire any more than putting them in Buffalo for week one with full capacity stadiums. Back. Yeah, like other other than like like Dallas, obviously, is always big um, and like maybe Kansas City. Like, I don't know what other environment would have been worse for these guys to just get thrown into the fire this way. So, you know, trial by fire. They, they still came out of there with a win. Sure, there were things that we can dissect and say this needs to change. I thought the special teams were not very good today other than the block punt for a touchdown. I thought the, the coverage units, like the kickoffs, the punt unit, um, I thought those were pretty bad. So there's obviously stuff to clean up there. Uh, we haven't talked about the defense a ton other than just the fact that, hey, they were really good. And we can say that about the Steelers most weeks. <laughs> I feel like it gets boring to talk about. But like like I said, you know, Cam Sutton's a guy we can highlight. Cam Hayward's a guy that we can highlight. Melvin Ingram had a great debut for the Steelers. Trey Norwood. Uh, I want to I want to like preview the Raiders game a little bit, but I want to finish up here with this week with Trey Norwood because I don't know about you. I was not expecting to see as much of Trey Norwood as we saw today. Neither, neither was I. I was, I honestly literally had to remember who number 21 was the first time I saw it on the field. Cause I was like, Sean Davis, <laughs> Sean Davis doesn't play here anymore, but yeah. yeah, I was not expecting him to see him that much, but he actually did really well. Uh, along I know with the that defense, Tom, Tom has talked him up. 
Tom yeah. has talked him up a lot. So, like, I, you know, I guess holding true to his word, we saw him play a good bit. They like, you know, what he is above the neck. Um, they think he's a, he's a very smart football player, and they call him a Swiss Army knife. They think he can do a lot of things for this defense. But, hey, I, I know it's a small sample size. If one week shows us anything, it shows us that Trey Norwood is going to play a lot for the Steelers' defense in 2021. And, again, trial by fire passes his first test against a very good Buffalo team. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this, the same thing for the defense that I said for the offense is that you already have the confidence if you're the defense. I mean, you just went in there at Buffalo and performed the way you did, but same thing yep. against bad teams. You can get even better and get more confidence going forward, especially for some of these younger guys that are playing on this defense. But I, I think yeah. the biggest thing for me the, for the defense is that there was a lot of big plays made by everybody. It wasn't just certain people. It, 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 there wasn't just one or two guys that were making big plays. I mean, I, I can think of plays that, like you said, Trey Norwood, James Pierre had a nice play, Cam Sutton, Joe Hayden, TJ, uh, Cam, uh, Melvin Ingram. Like the, literally the list goes on and on of all these players. And uh, I think that just speaks of how good the defense is. It's, it's, it's not just certain parts of the defense that are good. The entirety is just so dominant. Absolutely. So real quick uh, on the Raiders, what are we looking forward to? It's a shame that we don't have anything to talk about here with week one uh, because they don't play until tomorrow night against the Ravens. But what do we think about the Raiders coming into this year? Derek Carr, I feel like was pretty underrated last year. I thought he had a decent season, um, you know, from obviously as one of the best. I'm curious to see. Okay. Instead of rambling on here, let me just talk about what I'm looking at with this matchup. Uh, I think it starts and ends with Darren Waller. How in the world are the Steelers going to cover Darren Waller? If they can limit him in any capacity, you're not going to shut him down. But if they can limit him, um, you know, I, I don't see a way that the Steelers don't win this football game. Yeah, neither do I. I just I don't think the Raiders overall are a good team. He's really their only huge weapon on offense. And I, we'll see I, what I, second year Henry Ruggs is. But I think as, yeah. as far as established, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just think that there's going to be. Uh, a lot of focus on him, and I, I feel I feel like maybe maybe that actually does help um, the Raiders get through the Steelers' defense if they are focusing on Darren Waller. But who knows? Mm -hmm. I, I I just think that the Steelers' defense is overall just so much better um, to be able to dominate that offense, just because it's not really that great. I, I think Josh Jacobs' role has been uh, diminished a little bit, especially with Kenyon Drake going there. Um, they paid him a decent bit, yeah. Yeah, so I, I just I, I would expect that the defense to dominate in this game. And what I'm looking for the offense is I want a more established run game um, because from what I saw today, it, it just wasn't acceptable. Like getting 45 yeah. yards a game for Najee is just not going to work. And maybe they'd bring in multiple backs in this game as well if, if, if it gets going. I'd like to see some other guys besides Najee as well because, because we – we, we know that he's not going to be able, the only one getting some run, but th that's my big focus for the offense is getting the offensive line run game going well and being able to unleash Najee because we know that Najee is not, was not the problem today. We, we know it was mm -hmm. not his fault. So, Yeah, definitely the run game. Also free project, <laughs> Pat, Pat Fryermuth, who I thought had <laughs> an underrated game today from a blocking standpoint. He sprung Claypool on that end of round, had some other really nice blocks when the run game started getting going in the second half, but I hope that we see a lot more of Pat Fryermuth next week. Um, so what do, you, what do we think, a W next week? Oh, yeah. Shocking right. the W hey, already. Let me know uh, if you will be there because, like, he or, like Tyler already alluded to, I will be in attendance. I look forward to meeting a lot of you guys. It's the only game that I'm going to get to be at before the Monday night football game against the Bears. So – 
hit me up if you're going to be there and let's meet up. Uh, for anybody that follows me on Twitter that knows I'm having knee surgery, so I won't be there for three home games, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited for, for next week to finally be back at Heinz Field. Didn't go to any games last year. Um, we're going to wrap up talking about the Pirates when we come back. Uh, unfortunately, Mitch Keller is still Mitch Keller. So we're going to talk about that and a little bit more on the Pirates when we wrap up here at Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to Around the 412. I am Smitty. This is Tyler. We are part of DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. We're going to wrap up the show today talking about you being right. <laughs> uh, Mitch Keller looks like he's still Mitch Keller and, and probably is not part of the rotation for the future. Um, I, the Pirates are going to give him every chance to be. I don't see like barring a horrible horrible spring training next year how he doesn't start out in the rotation next year but like as far as hope in him ever becoming what we thought Mitch Keller was going to be I'm I think that I'm finally two feet out instead of one foot in one foot out the dude stinks I I don't I don't really think you need to beat the bush around it as a starter he just doesn't have it Uh, and it goes back to what I talked about last week the consistency you can't just have the one good start and then have two or three bad ones you can't that's not going to work, especially moving forward. So, yeah, I was right. I'll, I'll take my W on that one. Mitch Keller sucks as a starter. I I, I was watching that Please, game. Please, don't hold back. Ten hits, uh, four runs, I believe. I think he only had the one walk, which is actually – I'll, I'll give him a round of applause for that <laughs> one. He only walked one guy. But uh, I, just th- I just think that they have to see what they have in the bullpen with him. Otherwise, I, I don't know what you do with him because – he can't be a starter. He will be a starter probably going into next year. And I think the only reason for that is the lack of starters that are MLB ready in this organization, unless they add like multiple arms in the off season via trade or, or signings or whatever it is. I, I think you're right. He will start out as one of the guys in this rotation, but mm-hmm. I think the leash to move him to the bullpen needs to be super short because I, I, well, why not even experiment with that in spring training? It might as well because he he has a couple like good innings here or there, but his starts overall are just terrible, and, and so they just need to get move him to the bullpen, be an extended arm in the bullpen, do whatever. He is not a starter. This dude sucks. I'm pissed off thinking about Mitch Keller so much. I've talked about it all year long. Yeah, it's it's been a recurring theme on the show. But I don't know how many people are still watching the Pirates in 2021, but like they've moved Chad Cole to the bullpen now and are seeing what he looks like in that role. Like I understand that he's at a different point in his career than Mitch Keller is and was never a top prospect that you're trying to like get the absolute most out of. But like if they're willing to experiment now with Chad Cole in that role, why not give it a shot in spring training and just see how it goes for Mitch Keller? Now that's going to have to change your plans for what the rotation looks like. They might have to bring in, you know, a free agent starter from somewhere because they're going to have like ten to eleven guys probably that are competing for the rotation. Uh, but I don't know how many of them are really like viable options. I mean, I'm fine with like a Bryce Wilson. Um, I, I think that brought what a that sucks for him. Like he's hurt again. Like it's just been a lost year for Stephen Brault, unfortunately. Um, 
you have Peterson who you might want to see, or I'm sorry, Peters, Dylan Peters, who you might, might want to see like what's there with him. Uh, Brew Baker, who I still have hope for. I just think that he pitched way too many innings this year and it should have never gotten to that point. Dude, I looked at his pitch um, count earlier this, earlier this week and yeah. he was at 30 more innings pitched than anybody else on the team. That, yeah. And, and think about what his career high was before this. Like, He's never yeah. touched this many. There's no way he should have. He should still be activated. Yeah. I mean, he's injured right now, I believe, right? He's still right. injured. So just shut him down. There's only a few weeks left in the season. Please don't let him pitch again because he's still, even with the starts this weekend and this week, he's still like 25 innings more than anybody else on the team. Yeah. Contreras, Miguel Yajure, like there's some other guys that I think are going to make the case for being in the rotation next year. Like if Mitch Keller isn't going to be part of that, they're going to have to, you know, decide accordingly and potentially go out and get another arm or, you know, just roll with what's in house. And again, we're not expecting next year to be much better. I think that like the, the end of next year, maybe the halfway point to the end of next year could be pretty fun as we see some of these guys coming up, but most of the talent right now is still like in that double a level, high right. a double a level. So we're not looking for it next year. Even you're talking about beyond that. So I don't think that 2022 is going to be much more fun than 2021, at least to start. Also um, to touch on Chad Cole, at least yeah. he has the excuse that he had Tommy John and that's why he goes to the bullpen. <laughs> the Mitch excuse. Keller is just a bum. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how to sugarcoat it either way. He sucks. Yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to think of a way to maybe sugarcoat it. I don't know if Mitch uh, listens to the show, but sorry if you do, Mitch. I'll send uh, it to him. I don't care. We're, we're rooting for you to to turn it around in some way, shape, or form, whether that's as a starter or in the bullpen. Um, so <laughs> you said you mentioned about JT Brubaker shutting it down. How funny is it that on our, our last episode I mentioned like, hey, T. Brian Hayes, he's dealt with enough this year. Just shut him down. I don't want to see anything else happen to him. And then since that point, he's actually been hitting pretty well. Like he came back right after we recorded that episode, and he he's been pretty good. He had his first career walk off hit in that span as well. These last games of 2021 are very important for him. I don't want to make it seem like I was saying last week that they weren't. I just didn't want to see you know with the recovery injuries that he's had me still not feeling like that wrist is 100 percent. him playing meaningless baseball games but for him if he is healthy these aren't meaningless baseball games he absolutely needs the at-bats he needs the time at third base although the dude could probably win a gold glove in his sleep um but these are meaningful baseball games for a young guy like this and again not just with like the the culture shift and everything like that. Like I'm saying, it's important for these guys to start winning at some point. So they know what that feels like. Yeah. It's also important for key, for key Brian Hayes to be playing as many baseball games as possible. The rest of 2021. Yeah. I mean, this guy is one of the faces of this franchise. And I think that is important for him to, especially after the year that he's had so far, it's kind of like a little bit underwhelming compared to what we were expecting after his short stint last year. So I think mm -hmm. that him ending on a high note is good for his confidence as well moving forward um, and just getting used to being that everyday third baseman. Hopefully he's he's got like no lingering injuries and he looks healthy. Um, he's batting 360 and he's on base percentage is almost 400 in the month of September. So I, I think that if he finishes the year like this, then that just bodes for great things moving forward. I, I think that that just is great for a young player. He's 24 years old. So if he's able to finish like that, Going into spring training next year, I think he should have the confidence to be like, hey, look what I did to finish the year. So I'm just going to keep that moving forward. And, uh, 
I think that that's for how a lot of the guys on this team should have. And I know a lot of the guys aren't performing like him right now. Um, but basically try to find any good thing moving into next year because this year it's over, it's done. Um, so any as you, if you're a player on this Pirates team, just try to find any, any form of confidence or any little thing in your game to move forward into. Well, you mentioned the word underwhelming for his 2021. I don't, I don't disagree with you, especially like you said, when you look at that small sample size from 2020. But do you think that using the word underwhelming is more so because of the year that he's actually had or expectations that were created by that small sample size in 2020? Expectations. I, I think all of us thought he was going to be a plus 300 hitter right away um, based <laughs> off that small sample size. Now, whether that is fair or not, it's definitely not. Um, especially for a COVID year. I mean, if you compare the high of highs of last year and some of the batters they were looking at, look at the low of lows and compare it to like what Brian Reynolds have done this year compared to his year last year. It's just, just, it's hard to really compare the two seasons. It's just not the same. Um, But I just, I still think based off of that small sample size, there were expectations set by Pirates fans that, okay, this is our face of the franchise now. He's going to be the guy. And now granted, it wasn't all his fault. That injury early on in the season definitely, um, did not help matters whatsoever and probably affected his game for longer than what we thought because he was out and then he re-injured it. But then I think even when he came back, it was probably still nagging him and affecting mm-hmm. his game. So that probably played into it quite a bit. But, yeah, I just think it was the expectation set on him. Um, I have hope Pirates fans, us ourselves included, uh, have more realistic expectations for guys like him moving forward and this team. I don't really know what to make of this team um, as of next year. But uh, they're where I expect them to finish. But for guys like him and Brian Reynolds, it's just a couple of guys that we are looking forward to, to watching for years to come. And I, I hope that he finishes his year strong because, right, I mean, right now he's 360 in the month of September. Not much more you can ask for. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, looking at next year, just very briefly, like, what are, are you on board? with with my timeline and thinking that and i hate to even create a timeline because like i said we don't have no clue like the talent that we're hoping pans out isn't even like right on the cusp of the majors anyway like we're talking a couple years down the line but are you in line with with me and thinking that next year is going to look very similar to 2021 i think so i i don't think they're going to improve much at all um they'll probably be bottom of the division again they'll probably be a bottom uh, maybe not a bottom five team, maybe five to 10 team in baseball. Um, but I, I just don't think there's much expectation. Like I, I, we compare it to years. I would say this year is probably, well, I want to say years. I'm talking about years of the past playoff run. Um, I, I think this year is probably like the 2010 team. Um, just really bottom of the barrel, not expecting much at all. Next year is probably 2011. They, you start to see signs of it getting a little bit better. They just still aren't overall a better team, though, and they're still going to finish that bad. And then moving forward after that, 23, 24, it's so hard to predict. We're hoping those are like the 2012, 13, 14 teams. But like you said, with all of our guys that we're hoping are good, they're not in the majors. They're in like double A. You don't even know if half of them are going to make it here. And if they do, you don't know how well they're going to perform, a la Mitch Keller. So – I, I just think it's too unpredictable. But for next year, I agree with you. I just don't think the Pirates are going to be much different overall. They'll probably have some new faces on the team, but the win total is not going to be affected that much. Yeah. <clears throat> Obviously, I agree because I 
said that you agree with me. So there's no point in me saying, <laughs> oh, I agree. Uh, yeah, but but absolutely. I think that that's like the biggest thing that people need to take with a grain of salt is like how good their prospect system is. They need a good portion of those guys to pan out. That's why like stockpiling these prospects has been so important um, because not all of them are going to. Like that's just the sad reality of this is is half the prospect. If half the prospects that, they, that we hope pan out do, that's a win. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, again, I'll go back to what I said last week. I'm just wondering where on earth are we going to find enough arms for these guys to be competitive? Like it just feels like every other position on the diamond is, is set to enter a window of contention well before the arms are going to be there. Like the timelines don't seem to be on track with each other. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, maybe you trade for some, but like, who do you have to trade at this point? You're not, you don't really have it. Oh, yeah. It's going to have to be once some of those guys, you know, have a more defined prospect status, if you will, like when it's more clear what these guys are, you're going to have to maybe trade some guys from log jam positions to acquire pitching. Yeah. Cause at looking at the MLB level, they pretty much traded all their individual talent that they could away, uh, unless mm-hmm. you're trading like a guy like Reynolds or Hayes, which is absolutely not going to happen. Um, but then you look at the prospects; you, you just traded for them. How are you going to trade them now? Um, yeah, I, I just think that it's going to have to come elsewhere. It's going to have to come from outside the organization, whether that is a trade or a signing. There'll probably be multiple signings over the next few years that are in free agency, especially while this team is bad. And hopefully some of them pan out and they get to stick around for a little while. Yeah. They got to find pitching from somewhere. Uh, Anyways, if you don't have anything else that pretty much wraps it up, just once again, as I'm going to every week on the show, tell you guys rock around the four, one, two is rolling. Um, it's going to be our pinned tweet on Twitter again. I know I changed it because we were doing a, a TJ Watt jersey giveaway, but it will be our pinned tweet on Twitter by the time you guys watch slash listen to this. Um, you can find all the information right there. Over the last few years, we've been able to raise over $10,000 uh, to give directly to families in our area at Christmas time. That's toys, gifts, clothes, whatever they these kids have on their Christmas lists. Um, that all that money all goes to buying that stuff for them. Whatever's left over, we go out and get a grocery gift card so that they can go and buy groceries to prepare their holiday meal. Uh, we've been doing it for three years. This is year four. Every penny goes to them. And I don't know if I mentioned this on the last one, but we also do giveaways uh, or prizes, however you want to word it there, uh, for the people that donate. Bunch of Pittsburgh sports memorabilia, and that will be listed on our Twitter as well as we purchase that stuff. You got anything else, Tyler? That was a whole I, lot of information right there. Yeah, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to everybody that checked out our show last week, all the new listeners oh. from, from DK Pittsburgh Sports. New and old, and, yep. and, and everybody that checked out all the shows that were brought on last week. It was a big launch of the newly re, uh, rejuvenated DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Uh, we did really well overall. Every show was doing pretty well. And so – Thank you for the continued support. Thank you for everybody that's new that checked out our show. We hope you come back and like us and enjoy us. Let us know what you want to hear and uh, go check out what you want me to wear. Yeah, let Smitty know what you want him to wear. <laughs> and, then, and then not only our show, go check out all the shows on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. There was a lot of great shows brought on. So yeah. there's a lot of content coming your way. Took, Pittsburgh. took me by surprise, to be honest with you, a couple of those. But hey. Uh, I know that DK mentioned he wanted to have a little bit of a hostile takeover in Pittsburgh, and I think that we're well on our way. So uh, everything that Tyler said goes for me double. How about that? That's all I can add to it. That was so well put. So uh, thanks for checking us out. It's been another episode of Around the 412. Uh, This time, just like last time and every episode going forward, 
can be found on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. So for Smitty, for Tyler, we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.